You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now? A practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestor, to those people who lived well and died well, to those people who bring all that is good and true and beautiful into your ancestral lines. And I call out to my own, those people that lived well, died well, on whose shoulders I stand. I call out to those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in my line. I call out to these ancestors because in the end, we need to all understand that it is one great human family. And I give thanks to these ancestors and ask them to gather around us here today to help the living to do what the living are here to do, to bring forward that that which must be kept, that which is necessary for humans to live well on this planet, and to innovate those things that must change, those aspects of this old story that must go if we are to live in this world in a sane way. And so I call out to these ancestors who met similar challenges in their own time, who struggled with similar ideas, similar um, forces of limitation in their own brains. I call out to these ancestors to be with us, to hold us well and to help us, help us to do what the living are here to do so that what needs to be here is here for those who are coming. And for those ancestors and their presence every day in our lives, whether we reach out to them or not, I give great thanks. And I give thanks to those ancestors that are non-human, and I call out to those non-human ancestors to be with us here today. Those who were present in the dreaming long before anyone dreamt up a human. I call out to those ancestors, and particularly, I call out to the wisdom of the plant world. And all the medicine that comes to us from this world, all the food that comes to us through this world, and all that which we build our homes from. I call out to the plant world, to these great ancestors, and ask them to help us in this time to become the healers and the innovators, to become the lovers and the families and the communities that we need to be. Help us to learn to live in a good way as you do in your ecosystems. So we give thanks to those ancestral energies of the humans, particularly of the plant world, and to those non-humans and ask them to gather around us at this time of great change and transformation for the humans in this world. And with the ancestors gathered round in their many forms, let us focus our energy from our head and draw our conscious awareness down to our heart. From our heart down to our belly and from our belly let us reach down to touch the earth intimately energetically let us touch the earth and in this way take a moment to give thanks to give great gratitude for all that the earth offers us gratitude also for your life for the fact of your life for the great generosity in her dreaming that we can change and transform And we give thanks to the earth for the miracle of life. We certainly know how to make babies. We know where babies come from, but we don't yet truly understand life itself, that spark. And we give thanks to the earth for this energy and for this opportunity to be alive and to share this miracle with other living things for the beauty and the diversity around us. And so to the earth, we give great, great gratitude and reach our energy down Down through all the layers of the earth, down through all these layers, giving gratitude as we go until we reach the very center of the earth. And in the center of the earth, let us take a moment in this peace, solitude, stillness, in this energy of replenishment and restoration and rejuvenation. 
Let us connect into this energy and gather it to us and draw it up, drawing up the energy of the earth into our lives, rising through all the layers of the earth into our bodies, bringing with us all the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way with all living things. And may we draw on this energy to create in our lives grounding, to create a sense in our life of home, of hearth, of family, of community. And may we do so in a way that opens to the other, that invites in those unexpected guests that will actually help us to, be the, to become the people we were meant to be. Let us understand how to manage our energy in a way that creates safety and to open our heart in a way that creates union and community. And so with the energy of the earth, we draw this energy in even deeper into our hearts. And we call forth from this energy the wisdom of how to connect, how to be interconnected with things, and finally how to connect with this great oneness. And we reach out to that great oneness and draw it into ourselves and take a moment of coming into right relationship with ourselves. And then we draw this energy of the earth up, up from the belly to the heart and the heart to the mind and out, out through the tops of our heads, out into the sky and reaching out through whatever weather is above you, whatever atmosphere is above you, all the way out into the cosmos and reach up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you understand this energy, by whatever way you understand this energy, connect with this energy above and draw it down. Drawing this energy in, in a way that brings to you and your day, to these proceedings, the energy of blessing, the energy of protection, this, this deep essence energy of generosity and benevolence, the energy of devotion, and the beneficence of our world. Let us open our hearts to this energy that can inspire and illuminate us. We draw this energy in, we draw it down through all the layers of the sky, down through our heads to our hearts and our hearts to our bellies and we send it all the way down to the center of the earth. And then we return to the center place here where heaven and earth are merged, earth and sky, yin and yang, this place of the big love. And we call out to that energy to be within us, to merge within us, and to know these two legendary lovers in ourselves, and to allow them to awaken the true spirit of our heart, and the heart awaken and open this great crucible of change that lives there in the heart, and draw up the fiery passions of our belly, the knowing of why we are here in this life, this spark this uniqueness, this unique genius, we draw this up, these passions, these desires from our belly up into our heart and we draw the crystal clarity down from our mind that can look around us and see this is our time. This is how we need to do these things. We draw these energies together in the heart and let them be with each other in a great, fiery, passionate, wonderful dance so that they can give birth to that third and most sacred thing which is that memory of why you are here, the knowing of your soul's true purpose. And may you find in that human heart the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts out into the world. So I give great, great gratitude to these energies for gathering around us here today, above and below, and all of the hearts. And I give thanks to those of you who find it in your hearts to donate financially to the show to help keep the show on the air. There are bills to be paid to do that, and they will not take chickens. And so I thank you for sending money, because that's what these people want. So this is the exchange of our day, and I thank you for helping me to do that. I give thanks to David and John and all the listeners who donate financially. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you in any way, know that you've been moved in the heart, whether to passion or total irritation. It doesn't really matter because you've been moved in the heart. And I ask you to follow that movement of the heart into action. This allowing your heart to motivate your actions is the essence of shamanic work, of shamanic life. And I ask you to let yourself be moved in your heart into action. 
So you can donate by going to whyshamanismnow.com. Click the support button. Donate any amount you want, large or small. Any currency is fine. And I give great thanks for all of it. It goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And for those of you that can't do that, I ask you to, to help the show to grow in some other way. To use the teachings. Let me know how it goes. Ask questions. Send show ideas. Um, do what is necessary in this strange world of social media and linking and websites and everything to spread people's understanding and knowing about the show. But do whatever you can, please, and help the show to grow. And so I also give thanks to Co-Creator Network for giving us a home and the technology to make the show real in the world. So I have great thanks to everyone. We are live today. If you have questions on today's topic, you're invited to call in at 512-772-1938, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or simply email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So thank you all. So the topic for today is what is a shamanic cosmology? All right. So the future belongs to those who give the next generation reason for hope. This is a quote from Pierre Duchardon. And my question is, are we giving the next generation reason for hope? Individually, perhaps, but maybe not as a group. The current dominant cultural cosmology does not generate actions or ideas that give the next generation reason for hope. You can see it in the delusion, the totally delusional activity of the millennials, in the ever-growing obesity and addiction in teens, and in the eyes of those even younger. What I have experienced in my practice of shamanism and observed in others as they practice is that the same dominant cultural cosmology, you know, if you practice your shamanism in the same dominant cultural cosmology, it does not generate the actions needed to heal what ails our world. We must step into an actual shamanic cosmology and live from there. And we must each do this individually. There are many cosmologies. And we each need to step into one individually first to find what is true for us. And then, if we take action together, I believe we can begin to generate the ideas and actions that can give the next generation reason for hope. So this is my hypothesis. And to explore this today, we need to talk about what a cosmology actually is and why it matters. Because one of my real common experiences as people question me as to why they should do the cycle of transformation teachings or someone else's um, training program, I say, well, you know, we have a cosmology. We have a cosmology that the shamanism fits within and we have a community that lives the teachings and lives in that cosmology. And they're like, so uh, I want to become a shaman. And there really isn't an understanding in our contemporary world of what a cosmology is and why it matters in your life, but also in your shamanic practice. So cosmology, right, technically cosmology itself is the science of the origin and development of the universe. So it's about where we came from. How, how do we all get here? In other words, it is a story of how life as we know it began, how it developed, how we all got here. It's a story about who and what is here. And in a sense, why? And by that, I mean the why is about what are the relationships between what and who are here? How do, how do we get here? What's going on? Where are we going? This is what cosmology is about. So there are purely scientific cosmologies. There's a purely scientific explanation, and that in and of itself is, you know, cosmology, you know, the science there. There are also purely religious cosmologies. 
And then there are cosmologies cobbled together from religion, science, wishful thinking, crazy new age ideas. I mean, when we say a cosmology, we are talking about the way that we interpret what is going on around us in the world as seen through the lens of how we see the origins of life, where we and our world came from and where we are going. So one of the first and most important things to understand about a cosmology is that we all have one. You may not be conscious of your cosmology, but we all have one because we all use our cosmology to understand and interpret life. So if your cosmology is accidental and cobbled together without any greater understanding of what really is going on here, you're in trouble. I was in trouble because that's actually the truth for most contemporary Americans and frankly, most people living in the Western world, in Western thought world, I guess I would say. So when you Google shamanic cosmology, you get a whole bunch of options. And this one is from shamansflame.com. And this is the website of Peter Clark and Sarah Finley, who are friends and colleagues. And they've been a guest on this show. Um, And I like this one because it's very clear and open and yet still concise. So this is what you get when you – this type of thing. Not usually quite as well written, but this is the type of thing you get when you Google shamanic cosmology. All of existence, from a shaman's point of view, is subdivided into three spaces – lower, middle, and upper worlds. The middle world is where we live, and it comprises the entire universe. The middle world has two aspects, ordinary reality or the physical world, what we can see with our, or experience with our senses. Sorry, that was my little editorial. (laughs) Um, And non-ordinary reality. Both are free will zones, inhabited by seemingly unlimited entities, ranging from those who have only their self-interest at heart to those who work for the betterment and improvement of all. The upper and lower worlds only exist in non-ordinary reality. They are safe zones filled with compassionate spirits. Entities meet in these zones will always have something to, oh, entities we meet, met in these zones will always have something to teach that will assist one's evolution in a positive way. The lower world tends to be inhabited by animal, plant, and mineral spirits. The upper world tends to be inhabited by ethereal entities, which often present themselves in humanoid form. But just about any type of spirit may be met in either world, including those never seen or known in the middle world of ordinary reality. As both lower and upper worlds are filled with compassionate spirits, there is not a hierarchy of one world uh, being better than the other. So you'll find a lot of... Um, definitions like this of shamanic cosmology. I like this one, like I said, because it's clear and it's open. And I probably have something like this on my own website, which I actually need to look into this winter and change. Um, and, I'm, and I wrote a much longer version of something very like this in the encyclopedia many years ago. Um, so there you go. Um, so if you keep reading on the internet, you'll also find a bunch of entries more like this one from shamanicdrumming.com. According to shamanic cosmology, there are three inner planes of consciousness, the upper, middle, and lower worlds. Humans did not invent these inner realms. They discovered them. Far from being a human contrivance, these archetypal worlds are inherent in the collective consciousness, a common psychological inheritance of humanity. They are woven into the matrix of the psyche. They are part of our psyche, a part of whether we choose to become aware of it or apart from whether we choose to become aware of it or not. So this particular explanation continues in a more heavily interpreted description of the three realms, which mixes even more psychology, religion, and it happens to be the teachings of Lakota shaman Nick Black Elk get woven in there as well, and further defining what one finds in each realm as one journeys into it. And then it continues to say that the three realms are linked through a vertical axis that is commonly referred to as the world tree, um, which we talked about, by the way, in the Axis Mundi show. So this is a good example of what I want to address today. That this is, this is also 
I'm not picking on these two websites. They just happen to be the two best written examples um, that I found. And I didn't do an exhaustive research because most people either describe the invisible realm strictly um, through a specific context, like a religious context, a, a, a Jewish context, for example, or a cultural context, like a Peruvian cosmology. Um, or they repeat the basic teachings for, from core shamanism, which these two sites did, this idea of the upper world, middle world, and lower world. And so this is the basic teachings from core shamanism as presented by Michael Harner, which largely echoes Iliade's work. And it's not that this is wrong. It's just missing a big part of the point of what an actual cosmology is. So I'd like to propose a new understanding of shamanic cosmology. And, and in this proposition, I would actually be being contrary to what I wrote in my own encyclopedia of shamanism. But I wrote that a long time ago. And my own shamanic work has taught me a lot since then. Um, and so what I, I would like to propose a new understanding of shamanic cosmology and uh, to speak about something that is functional and distinct from commonality. And I don't mean common as in ordinary. I mean common as in this thing shows up all over the place. It is common to all people. You know, we all eat. We all pee. That's common. That's what I mean by commonality. Okay. So the practices of shamanism, soul retrieval, extraction, depossession, um, no matter what name you call shamanism, the point is the practices entering into altered states to do particular kinds of healing work are a commonality across peoples around the world. They are a shared human treasure. They are enormously valuable. And the world tree or the axis mundi is a commonality that is so strong that it is embedded in the root of humanity's great revealed religions. And the idea of the three realms is a commonality that is rich in the lives of about half the world's shamanic peoples. It is as rich as the sense of this world and the other world, which is a shared reality of the other half of the world's shamanic peoples. These are very important elements of shamanism. These practices, the axis mundi, the realms, these are very important elements of shamanism. These commonalities are shared and they can be experienced by anyone, even by those who know nothing about shamanism. They are sort of there to be tripped over. And when we look into the three worlds of a pre-contact shamanic people, what we find is that those three worlds, which is the commonality piece, aren't random or personal. Within the culture, the realms are filled with very specific beings, with specific meanings. And furthermore, the realms are connected and interconnected in ways far more complex than just the central axis, the world tree. And there, are, there is an additional element which is the wholeness or the oneness that encompasses it all. So the three realms is a commonality between peoples, but the three realms themselves do not describe the full cosmology of a people. The cosmology is shared. It is not personal. How one experiences beings within the cosmology is personal, but the cosmology itself is not. The realms and the spirits within are not the cosmology. The cosmology is the network of what's in the three realms, why they are there, how they interact, the interconnection, um, and how they interconnect because of the story of how the universe was formed, why we are here, why everything else in the cosmology is there. And given that, what the hell are we doing now? So the cosmology isn't the commonalities. The commonalities exist within a cosmology, but they in and of themselves do not a cosmology make. The commonality is important. 
commonalities do echo within us. And yes, contemporary people can journey for the very first time and bump right into these commonalities that we share with people who journeyed thousands, maybe tens of thousands of years ago. Commonality is important. And commonality is not cosmology. Even a group of commonalities is not a cosmology. So Ben Boomer speaks about this in his recent editorial in the SSP Journal of Contemporary Shamanism. So he's a North American tribal member with a mixed cultural background. Um, he, he experienced being raised on his family, in his family's Navajo cosmology while growing up um, on his people's reservation in the Southwest on a ranch in contemporary America. So he's a contemporary guy, yet raised within his um, heritage cosmology. In his editorial, he says, at the core of a culture are the ideas and practices surrounding its spiritual and philosophical understanding of the world. Language, food, art, song, and dance are a few key elements that hold a cultural system together. Now, what he's talking about is what I'm trying to talk about, the cosmology of the people that go all the way back into the spiritual and philosophical understanding of the world, where it came from, why there are people in it, how the people got here, who's here with the people. And then it extends out into their language, their food, their song, their dance, that the cosmology informs everything. So uh, Ben continues, there is a perspective held by many Native Americans that this wisdom has such depth and breadth breadth that you have to grow up with it in order for those teachings to truly resonate in your life and so he's talking about what growing up in a cosmology gives you this is what a cosmology gives us depth and breadth that is shared within the collective it's not personal in the sense of it's bigger than my personal depth and breadth i should say it's not limited to the personal In other words, there was someone who shares this cosmology with me, who understands it deeper and wider than I. And I can seek that person out and we can talk about my experiences um, within that cosmology. And that person can help me get bigger than myself, wider than myself, a deeper understanding of my whatever teaching I just received from Coyote. Or an experience I've had in a dream with the corn goddess. And I can learn beyond myself. So when we cobble together a cosmology based on our personal experience, it is no greater in its depth or breadth than we are. It's just about what you like or felt was intense along the way. So you grabbed it and cobbled it together in your cosmology never really thinking about how that fits together and how it relates to the cosmology you're dragging from your childhood unconsciously. So, in other words, this cosmology is constructed by the you that you already are. It's not constructed by the you you could be. So a cosmology that has embedded within it All of the people who have gone before you, all of the beginnings of all things before there were people, and perhaps even the ending, and how all these things matter, and the things that don't matter, and the cosmic debt that you owe, then you will be called out by that cosmology, by your shamanic work within this cosmology. You will be called out again and again to live into your destiny by the interpretation of your journey experiences and your dream experience, even your life experiences within that cosmology. It creates a context that you fit within that has meaning. It's not just places. It's just not how we get there. It's not just upper world, middle world, lower world, and a world tree. But it's why that matters, where it came from, what what it implies that You met your helping spirit, but in this particular journey, it was raining on a parched desert. 
And behind your helping spirit was a particular teacher. Those other things often get ignored because we're just paying attention to the helping spirit and whatever that experience is. And we don't realize these other things have meaning in the cosmology, which open up the breadth and depth of our understanding of the answer, the experience we were just given in the journey. So let me just step down here a minute um, and shift gears for just a second. So I have to say that that I came to this conversation, this, this hypothesis about we need a cosmology or cosmologies. Um, you need your own cosmology is what I'm saying. Um, honestly, this has not come out of a belief that I had first. It came out of my own experience of really not having any cosmology other than the one I had um, as a contemporary American which was to say one that is really not very well formed, not very thought out, and is influenced by a lot of very problematic story weavers. So in 2007, I saw clearly that my students were learning only half of the teachings of the cycle. I've been teaching the cycle long enough to see it wasn't somehow the cycle teachings were working. It was working in the times we were together, but in people's lives, half the teachings weren't really happening. And, that, and what I saw is that what was being embraced and practiced and what was being left dormant was actually consistent year after year, no matter who the people were. So there was a pattern that was bigger than the individual people. So after literally years of asking for help from spirit about how to solve this, I asked for help from professionals. I asked other people to journey for me. So after years of asking and implementing the answer and falling short again, And asking again and implementing a new answer and falling short again and asking again. This went on and on literally for years. And I finally just gave up on that. And I embarked on a great journey with everything at risk and no guarantees. And I took 12 other people on this long, involved, complex, six-month journey with spirit during which we asked what was needed for contemporary people to learn the cycle of transformation teachings as a whole. An utterly unexpected and unprogrammed. The answer that we got was to build a shamanic community. Great. What the hell does that mean? You know, what is a shamanic community? And frankly, what the hell is a real community? I mean, I don't know that any better than you all do. I'm an American. We don't understand community very well. And most of us simply project our family of origin onto another group of people and call it good. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a good situation. So while that was a good answer, it was a shitty answer. I mean, I didn't know how to do that. And I didn't even know what it meant. But I knew on my truth cord, it rang so deep in my truth cord, not in my mind because I did not understand it, but it rang my truth cord that that was the answer and I didn't know why. So now I had to lead a group of people to manifesting a thing we didn't understand and didn't know how to do for reasons I didn't know why. But I did it (laughs) anyway because that was the journey we were on. Everything was at stake. And we had no guarantees. And so from this experience, I learned two things. Well, actually, I learned many things and I'm still learning many things. But in the context of today's show, I learned two things. I learned that the community holds the cosmology. And that's why we needed a community. We had a cosmology, but it wasn't being held because we didn't have a community. That the community of the living who tell the stories and the community of the ancestors who went before and the descendants who are coming. So it's the community, the whole community of the living and the descendants and the ancestors and how they hold the cosmology. And then I also learned, the second thing I learned was that part of the issue was that I wasn't teaching core shamanism, nor was I teaching a traditional shamanism, which would have a cosmology embedded in it. I was teaching a renewed shamanic cosmology, 
with shamanic skills and practices. And that we were writing the stories of that cosmology in the moment. So right now we were writing the stories as we were living the teachings. And so unlike going to Peru, I'm just using Peru as the example of the cultural um, cosmology, is you can go and the stories are there. You go, you're with the people, the people hold the stories, they tell you the stories, you learn the stories. You, you, you can learn about the cosmology from the people. But we didn't have the stories. This was a cosmology that had been um, changed. It's a cosmology, an old cosmology that's been adapted in a, in a way that will allow contemporary people to meet the challenges of our contemporary world. That's what I understand now, and I didn't understand that then, right? So it was a cosmology that wasn't being lived because it required contemporary people to confront their unconscious cosmology and to choose to be different, to drop their American contemporary view of the world and all the entitlement that comes with that, to drop that cosmology and to choose to be other than that. And to do that so that we create something different in the world. And to create something different in the world we might never get any credit for. And that was really hard for Americans and a lot of people left. So a cosmology explains how life as we know it began. How it developed. How we all got here. It's the story about who and what is here and why. And what are the relationships between things. So I sense that what makes this an issue (laughs) is that we have looked at shamanism and in a sense judged and valued shamanism or not because we've looked at it through a religious lens. And we actually need to be looking at religion through a shamanic lens if we're going to get our facts straight. You know, shamanism came before religions. And what I really mean by this is in my experience – the effort to, to, to prove that shamanism is valuable by looking at it through religious lens always falls short because it always diminishes shamanism. It always diminishes, compartmentalizes, and limits what the wholeness of shamanism within a cosmology actually is. On the other hand, my experience with people that are deeply religious and bring that faith structure and that cosmology into their shamanic training say things like this to me. And this is a quote. You taught me that God is much, much, much bigger than I was taught God was. And so my experience is while the religious lens always diminishes shamanism, The shamanic lens expands religion. It opens it up. It it opens its heart, really, to the world and to the person living it. So, So I think it's really misguided that we don't need to show that shamanism is like a religion to validate it. And this is where I see both Iliadi and Michael Harner, particularly in his new book, Cave and Cosmos, really misstep. And it is a misstep that is understandable, given their age given Iliadi's place as a a scholar of religion, and given Michael's place as an academic. You know, this misstep is totally understandable given their time, given who they are in the academic world. However, we don't need to follow them off that cliff. We don't need to make that misstep given our age and our place in the world. We do not need to prove that the spirits are real. Science has already done that for us. Shamanism doesn't need to be validated as it is already the root of the great world religions. Perhaps more importantly, trying to prove the existence of spirits or the map of non-ordinary reality misses the point entirely. The proof of shamanism is in the fact that it works. The proof of shamanism is the fact that it works where other approaches don't. That's its proof. I don't really care whether anybody can ever do the science around whether the spirits are real. And like Ghostbusters measuring them with their crazy little gizmos. They are real. It works. 
the fact that it helps people to change and transform their lives is real. That's the proof. Who cares about the rest? So with that, you know, the proof in shamanism is this fact that it worked. The fact that it works where other approaches don't. And actually, we have no idea right now how much shamanism could do. I mean this really, really seriously. And I love my practice. And I believe I do good work in my practice. And I have no idea what even my shamanism could do. And those who don't practice in a cosmology have absolutely no idea who you could be in your shamanic work and what shamanism could be doing right now for humanity. It's not that core shamanism doesn't offer valid practices. I believe it does. It offers a coherent system that has codified common shamanic skills and practices. It offers a bridge for contemporary people into a shamanic state of consciousness. And most important for many, it offers a reliable way to connect with one's own helping spirits and teachers. And it offers ways to safely practice for the most part. It does not offer a cosmology. It offers a consistent relationship with real commonalities that taken together are a firm foundation for people stuck in a broken system. It gives people a place to start. But if we want to fix the broken system, we will have to transcend core shamanism. We will have to transcend this idea that these commonalities actually comprise a cosmology. We have to accept a new cosmology through which to view all life. And if we want to heal and mend all that the broken system has damaged and destroyed in its arrogance and ignorance and greed, we will have to not only transcend core shamanism and step into a true cosmology that supports shamanic life, we must meet there. We must do this together. And this for me is the greatest accidental teaching in my own life, my own shamanic work. And it is consistent from the beginning of my work. But I never understood why the spirits had me do this in the beginning. I did it because I was told. I didn't understand it. But I do now. From the beginning, they have always said in every journey circle, in every ritual, every ceremony, but even every journey circle, you have to create a container that is big enough for everyone and their cosmologies. I never understood, a long time didn't understand why that matters, but it matters now. We need our cosmologies and we need to be able to come together with them and work together. So stories, you know, the cosmology is a big story and stories are landscapes. And this is from Jeff Stockton, who is also in the same issue of the of shamanic practice. Stories are landscapes. They are spiritual and soulful terrains. Stories give us a sense of place. They lead us to our destiny. And a cosmology is that grand story in which your story is put into context, your little personal story is put into context. context, And it's where it derives meaning and purpose. So Michael Harner has always been strong in the belief that the shaman's way is to acquire spiritual truths firsthand, to discover your own stories, and to become the one who knows, which is a definition of the shaman. And this is true. I don't disagree. All I'm saying is for us now, in our time, it is not enough. And the shaman, the initiated shaman, not the contemporary person in a workshop, but the initiated shaman did that, did all these things Michael's talking about in a cosmology, which gave the journeys and their meaning much greater depth and breadth. I am bored out of my mind by the idea of, not, of a non-ordinary reality that is utterly shaped from my own stories my own personal experience. Jeez. I mean, come on, people. I am deeply aware of how we humans, how I, how easily I limit myself and deny who I could be or, on the other hand, engage in self-aggrandizement. Humans are notoriously tricky, slippery weasels in their mind. And the mind is where the storyteller lives. And so this idea 
that everybody can just create their own world and that's going to be good enough utterly denies the power of the human mind to keep us in our small stories, to keep us from our power and to keep us afraid. And the value of the cosmology is it challenges that. The value of a cosmology, which is a whole complete coherent system, is it constantly challenges those typical things that humans do to diminish, to belittle um, our movement into greed, our movement into excess. So deep shamanic work stirs us in the energetic and spiritual realm. And then we must take that stirring into the corresponding changes physically, psychologically, in our actions, in our beliefs. It is not enough to just stir the shamanic personally. That that the result of our journeys needs to be brought out into all facets of our life. And we need to be able to do that in a way that happens in a larger context. No, is what I'm saying. No, our personal version of everything isn't enough. It's very American to think that. And I mean that in a bad way, right? No, our personal version of everything isn't enough. And we sell ourselves short believing so. In this belief, we neuter our capacity to evolve as the shamanic healers and visionaries of our time. The point that was important in what Michael teaches is the point that our own direct is the point of our own direct revelation. This is a critical recovery for most of us from the disempowering uh, experience we've had, usually in religion, but often simply culturally. I can't tell you how many times in my life I was told you can't do that because you're a girl. And I'm thinking, well, that doesn't make any sense because I already did it. But it can be very disempowering to be raised in the Western world, frankly. And so this point that Michael was making of direct revelation that Sandy makes, that Hank makes, you know, this is a critical point. And, And I thank Michael daily as my teacher for that. The problem with the idea is that the practice of shamanism is only ignited by that connection and direct revelation. Your relationship with helping spirits doesn't make you a shaman. It makes you human. And the training and shaping by spirit, the sacrifice, the coring out of old beliefs, that's the kind of stuff that makes you a shaman. And all the years of experience need to happen within a cosmology that will add these experiences up to becoming a shaman or simply becoming a person who's living shamanically. So if they happen within the shamanic cosmology, they hold water. That's what's really important. Um, In other words, uh, like recently, this is a really current example. I had a number of people on a council in my community journeying to discover um, how the community was colluding in shadow behaviors. Um, And they did these journeys. They did them just as journeys. And they they connected with the fears that are at the root of the shadows and this and that. But they couldn't really connect to the communal patterns of the shadows in their journeys. It's not that their journeys weren't accurate. They just weren't enough. They weren't a big enough picture, a complete enough answer. They were accurate but not complete. And so the cosmology that we practice in, in the cycle teachings, so the cosmology that we practice in gave us a way to create a construct that was based on a cosmology in other words a place to go in the journey where all the teachers or a group of the teachers in that cosmology could show up together and show us the answer so it wasn't just us and our helping spirit but it's us and our helping spirit in a place that was designed for us to be able to get this answer So in other words, we ask the helping spirits for this construct that would allow us to get this type of complex answer. You can't do that without a cosmology. So anyway, the same people did journeys into that cosmology and it worked great. We're completely clear the shadows that need to be cleared in the community now. So that's an example. A cosmology is complete. It's whole. 
It's consistent. It, it captures a human within it and challenges you to see where you are faltering, where you are playing small, where you're thinking too much of yourself, where you are not in alignment with your authenticity and your truth. So when these journeys happen outside of a shamanic cosmology, we lose this deeper meaning and the breadth of the larger context. The other thing that happens in people's lives is it's leaky, meaning people journey and get the same answer like year after year after year, but because there's nothing holding your journeys and your answers and putting them in this larger context, there's sort of like no noticing that you've been there before. Whereas in my cosmology, if I was journeying and was getting asking another version of the same question a third time six years later, there's a, there's a helping spirit in that cosmology that would march into my journey and knock me upside of the head and rub my face in it and, and get me to see I am totally missing the point and, and, and take me into a bigger answer to that question that's going to allow me to get it finally. And in a regular journey, there's nobody to do that because the journey's happening just out there in non-ordinary reality, just out there in the upper world, middle world, lower world. It's just happening out there in the great commonality of things. It's not within a cosmology that gives you a wall to run into when you're running off a cliff in the wrong direction. So the other side of this argument comes from academics and from people raised within traditional cosmologies, right? They each come from a different direction, but they argue the same point, which is simply without a cosmology, none of, none of this is real. And, and with that, they then dismiss core shamanism. And this is much too far in the extreme. I don't agree with either perspective, but more importantly, both show a lack of deep understanding of where a cosmology actually comes from. There is a reality out there, behind, underneath, however you want to think about it, but invisible to our lives. And I don't mean just the invisible world. I mean the greater mechanics of energy that have absolutely no form, that, as we understand form. So this reality is out there and we normally don't experience this reality. We don't even necessarily experience this reality in all of our journeys. And no one cosmology describes this reality as it is indescribable. It is vast and deep. There there are no words that can describe it. Because the very need for language itself puts us in a place where we now can't talk about that experience. And all of the cosmologies exist within that larger reality, each trying to give us a multidimensional highway to engage in this true reality in a meaningful way. So that reality, that bigger reality underneath everything, exists without cosmologies. It also exists, but the shamanic skills do connect us there utterly culture and cosmology free so this there's this big reality out there and there's these skills and they can connect with or without a cosmology with or without cultural context so this idea that we should just write off core shamanism as not being valid is is in and of itself not valid because the bigger reality is there no matter who you are no matter how you have lived no matter how badly you've lived it's still there for you And the shamanic skills can connect you there. It's not about virtue. It's not about being Native American or not. It's not about any of that. It's there for you as a human. And the skills are there for you as a human to use. What changes with a cosmology is the depth and breadth of our understanding of our experience as we are connecting there. And then how we understand that experience and its impact in our life and then how our life experience will change when it's viewed through this cosmology. So if these journeys happen outside of a shamanic cosmology, we lose the power 
of this constant push by the cosmology out of our small stories, the stories we tell ourselves, our, our, our limited interpretation of what is going on. So we lose that push into this larger story of our destiny. And so it's important to understand this bigger reality exists. Humans exist. The skills exist. And your destiny needs to be made manifest. It does not yet exist. And without a cosmology to put your journeys into context and your life into context, you into context, we are greatly challenged in our need to walk our destiny. So a practice, a shamanic practice, even a life practice within a true cosmology drags you into your larger story. This life of legend you are actually here to live. So this practice in a true cosmology allows you this expression of your destiny in such a way that your life can become a teaching story for your people. Your life becomes an expression of the teachings in the cosmology and your life then becomes a teaching story. It's no longer you. It's not your name. It's not even necessarily about a man or a woman anymore. They might tell the story now with you as a bird, maybe a snake, maybe coyote. But the point is you've lived your life in a way that it in and of itself is an expression of this greater reality, of this greater truth. I don't see that happening in the lives of people that are practicing without a cosmology, that their shamanic practice is too self-referential. And when we practice with a cosmology, it's cosmology referential. So cosmology is about the power of the story. And my question is, does the story give us hope? Does it teach us to deal with change and renewal? Does it remind us of our cosmic debt? Does it bring us again and again to the path of our destiny? This is the story that we need to be living inside. The story of how it all began, where it all came from, why it's all here, who's here with us, what, what are the interconnections and the interrelationships, what is going on, and the reminder, you only have a very, very short time to live your destiny. And so why does this matter to me? Obviously, it matters deeply to me. Why does it matter? Because we need to move beyond the very personal idea of a cosmology built of commonalities and my personal journey experiences. Which is essentially what core shamanism is saying and what Michael is saying in Cave and Cosmos this is essentially this, um, and there are others actually who do a similar thing. Um, they may call it Celtic shamanism or this shamanism or that, but it's basically this, this sort of superficial idea of engaging with the cosmologies. Um, I'm sorry, engaging with the commonalities. But we need to become practitioners who are able to approach oceanographers nuclear physicists, structural engineers, and say, okay, here we are with our different disciplines. Now, what do we need to know from each other? Great. So let's solve the fact that the Fukushima disaster has poisoned the Pacific Ocean and the technology doesn't currently exist to deal with the problem. Great. Let's all work together to come to something that doesn't yet exist. How do we address giving back life to an ocean that we have killed? This is why this matters to me. Our personal practice of shamanism is a start. Core shamanism is a valid start. And relative to our world, not enough. We are so deeply seduced by the idea that we are so evolved, so psychologically mature, and so civilized. But what do we create? Look globally. What are we, this great human family, creating? Shamanic cultures with cosmologies, by and large, created sustainable, 
peace-valuing cultures that are deeply, sanely connected to the nature that sustains them, actively connected to a sense that there is something larger and more important than they are, and intentional in the cultivation of their relationships with everything that touches their lives. So who is more civilized? Who is barbaric? What I see is too much shamanic practice happening in this space circumscribed by individual stories and the story of the old world, the story of the Western culture. Our time is calling us to address illnesses in our culture that traditional shamans never even imagined, much less dealt with. And the insanity of the illnesses we have caused on our planet are the same. It is not part of who shamans were. We are being called out to be everything our predecessors were and more. Thank you, everyone, for listening here today. I want to give great thanks to our ancestors and ask them to please hang in there with us. And I give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Have a great week, everyone.